Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. All right, Brother Henderson, we want you to come tonight, preach, teach, prophesy, whatever you feel tonight. We're so glad. We love you. Amen. We want Brother Trey to come minister. Let's welcome him as he comes to minister to us tonight. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I know it's raining outside, but I do believe God has something he wants to do in here tonight. Um, If you do have your Bibles... Please turn to John chapter 1. And while you're getting set to turn to John chapter 1, also if you can find the first letter of John, 1 John, we're also going to read there out of chapter 1. But before getting into my notes, I do want to take a moment, thank our pastor for this opportunity to speak tonight. I also give honor to Brother Roberts for all the young ministers like myself, there is a weight and responsibility when anyone stands behind this pulpit, and I don't, I don't take it lightly at all. I'm honored they would allow me to speak. I also would like to thank my beautiful wife. Every time I prepare to teach or speak or anything, I, you know, she does tons of little things for me. She probably doesn't even recognize how much of a help it is, but I'm blessed to call her mine, and no one else isn't. Thank you, baby. So, John chapter 1, very familiar passages of Scripture tonight. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. If you can, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 4. This is the same author of, of of these letters as the same writer we read in John. The Apostle John says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. How many wants their joy to be full? Amen. He started off this letter by saying, I'm writing to you so that your joy can be full. Then this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Amen. 
Would you guys bow your heads? Would you raise your hands right now to the Lord as we pray? God, I thank you for your word tonight, Lord. God, I'm thankful, God, to be in your presence tonight on a Wednesday night, Lord. I pray, God. God, I pray, help me tonight just to be the mouthpiece, oh God, that you would speak, oh God, into this church, Lord. God, I pray, God, anoint this word, God. Let it challenge someone, Lord. Let it, God, provoke us to good works, Lord. God, I pray, oh God, let, Lord Jesus, this word come across with clarity and authority, Lord. I pray, God, let it fall on good ground tonight. Let our hearts and minds be prepared to receive from you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. You may be seated. When you guys see my topic, I think you'll kind of see it's ironic that it's raining outside. But if you've come tonight to hear a deep sermon, you might be disappointed. Come back another night to hear our pastor or Brother Roberts teach or preach. Tonight, I really have a simple concept, a simple thought given to me. I believe the Lord would have us to hear it tonight. The title of my lesson is simply this, The Light. Nothing else I'm going to add to that. The light. I thought about maybe the power of the light or light versus darkness, but in my spirit, it's just going to be the light tonight. And let me start off tonight by proclaiming that there are lots of smart people in the world. Lots of smart people. Some of y'all are in here tonight. I look to some of my leaders like Brother Sovati, got my fellow Brother Brent, fellow ODU alum. They studied some very, very detailed things. Very, very smart people in this world. I do not proclaim to be one of them. Not at all. I have a very authentic understanding of my capabilities. And I'll be honest, although I graduated college, yes, with a degree in electrical engineering, I am an electrical engineer. I don't remember half of what I learned. I don't. I don't. So I'll admit, I like math, Brother Roberts. You said on Sunday you do not like math. I don't know. You're just wired a little bit differently than me. I would even lean towards, I'd say, I love math. It just makes sense to me. Physics, calculus, Diffie Q. Any Diffie Q guys that like it? Uh, all right. Differential equations is what I'm talking about. Y'all are like, what is he talking about? Differential equations, statistics, statics even. The math just makes sense to me. But I'm not a fan of all the theory, though. I, when you grow in math, when you start studying the higher levels of, of math, you start getting into the realm of quantum mechanics and quantum electro, whatever you want to get to. You can throw electro in front of any word, and it'll make like it's, it's professional, it's dignified. But you get into the realm of what we call quantum theory. The science and technicality start to devolve into exactly that more and more theory. And I won't try to bore you tonight with theory, but many of our pioneers in science, math, and technology have all tried to grasp and explain the phenomenon of light. They've tried to answer the question, what is light? Does anybody know what it is? Can you right now write a book on what light is? Many people have tried to explain, what is light? Pythagoras. Anybody know the Pythagorean theorem, right? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You guys are wrong. That's not how it's originally written. It's originally written the square root of A squared plus B squared equals C. I just want to clarify that just a little bit for y'all. Okay? All right? Just clarify that. Just a hair. But Pythagoras, 
500 years before Jesus Christ would walk the earth, he believed this man who had all this influence. Everyone believed what he said. Pythagoras believed that sight, the light that we can see, was caused by visible rays that came out of our eyes. It's weird. But for thousands of years, people leaned upon his wisdom and understanding. And he might have been right about his theorem, the Pythagorean theorem, but he was completely wrong about what light is. But pioneers like Galileo, Roger Bacon, who I'm thankful of, he's the inventor of corrective lenses. I need him. Hallelujah. Johannes Kepler, Willibrord Snell, who is the creator of Snell's Law, Thomas Edison, Thomas Young, Sir Isaac Newton, all of these pioneers in math and science, they all studied and tried to explain what light is. Despite all these smart people making advancements on the topic of light, we still don't know everything there is to know about light. Scientists agree that there's a lot that they think they know up to a certain point of theory, but there's also a lot that they don't know. A lot cannot be explained. And thus, most of the high-level concepts of why, what light is, they remain as theory. Scientists today, this is the scientific definition of light, they quantify light as the form of electromagnetic radiation with a wavelength which can be detected by the human eye. This wavelength is a small part of the electromagnetic spectrum and radiation given off by stars like the sun. When you look into the night sky and you see all the stars in the sky, what you're seeing is radiation and light that's been shot from thousands and thousands of miles away and we just can perceive it in the night sky. That's what scientists declare light is. What it means for you and I, though, is that, believe it or not, there are different waves of radiation or energy that even though we can see light, there's a lot that we can't see. I'm going to let that sink in. When we get to heaven one day, we'll be able to see every spectrum of light there is. Right now, we can just see a sliver of what humanity has insight into. But one day, you're going to see colors you never imagined when you walk on streets of gold. But even animals, spiders, snakes, we don't like snakes, insects, they can see ultraviolet light or infrared light that human eyes can't pick up. Here's some characteristics of light. I said it earlier, light is electromagnetic particle that travels in a wave. I know I'm getting real deep on y'all right now, but it travels in a wave, just like you take a rock and drop it in water. It creates a ripple effect. It creates a wave. How many of y'all heard of sound waves, right? So light is a wave. It travels. It has an amplitude. It goes high and low. That's amplitude. It has a wavelength a period of when it gets back to its original point, and then it has a frequency, which is how we can see light. Some of it goes really fast, some of it goes really slow, and that's how we pick it up. Light also travels in a straight line. It doesn't bend. It does reflect, and I'll talk on that in a second, but it doesn't bend. And then light can also travel through a vacuum. I'm not talking about your vacuum cleaner at home, okay? Don't try to point a flashlight through it and see if it can get through there. No, no, I'm not talking about that. But the darkness of space, there's no forces at work in space. So we call it a vacuum. The reason why our Earth is heated from rays and particles and, and light from the sun is because it travels extremely fast and it hits our ozone or whatever, our atmosphere, and then we start to feel it. This is the thing about light that I really like, though. There is nothing, I repeat, nothing 
You can try to be Usain Bolt if you want to, but there's nothing, no particle in the universe that travels faster than light. Nothing. Scientists have theories about a few things that can travel faster than light, like a thought. When you have a thought, who knows how quickly that thought hits you? No one, no one can kind of measure that, but that's a theory scientists have. But what they have been able to measure, nothing travels faster than light. So why is light important? This earth that we live on has been bathed in the light ever since God said, let there be. Ever since God said, let there be light, this earth has been under the influence of light. It is our most important source of energy. It's more important than air. It's more important than water, more important than coal or natural gas. The, the resources we think of as energy, sunlight or light is more important than all of us. Sunlight warms us. It causes weather patterns. It allows plants to manufacture oxygen and grow. And better you believe it, it allows us to find our way around in the daytime. How many can imagine what life would be like if there was no light? There's a few places on the earth where they live months without light. And I just can't imagine living in a climate like that, where, I, where the sunlight wakes me up if I slept in a little bit. I like to sleep. But can you imagine what the earth would be like without light? Our weather would be different. How we view the world would be different because we wouldn't be able to comprehend whatever light is. And that leads me to my first point tonight. And that is this, light is powerful and important simply because God said so. God said light was good. In the beginning, Genesis 1 and 1, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. In verse 4, God saw the light that he made, and he said that it was good. And God divided light from darkness. The first mention of anything being recorded as good in Scripture is light. I'm going to let that kind of sink in for a moment tonight as I kind of go deeper into this topic. I really wish in some ways that the word good was not a part of my vocabulary. You know, we like to abuse that word good as humans. How are you today? I'm good. How do you feel right now? Eh, I'm good. How does that food taste? It's good. It's good. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Right? Wives, when you ask your husband, how does this outfit look? Husbands and future husbands, please find another word than good. Okay? Just going to help you out a little bit there. But you need to understand what God is really declaring in Scripture here when he says that the light was good. He said that when you look into this word good, what he's saying is that this light he created, it was pleasant. It was rich. There was a rightness to it. It was excellent, and it was the best. The light that was created in Genesis 1 and 3, this light would last for all eternity. And would never be changed. It would be perfect. It wouldn't be until after he creates the heaven and the earth on the second day of creation that he would declare something else as good. God declared the light was good before anything else he made. 
The next point I want to make tonight is one that I think people easily misunderstand, and that is this. Light and darkness are not, I repeat, not complete and polar opposites of one another. The dictionary defines light as daylight or a source of light or truth or something that makes vision possible. Darkness is defined as a lack of knowledge, evil, and the total or near total absence of light. Spiritually speaking, we know in my first point, light is good because God said so. Light represents all that is good, including the greatest good, Jesus Christ, who declared in John 8 and 12, he is the light of the world. Light leads to life, and often throughout the Bible, it's symbolic with being in alignment with God's plans, being in alignment with God's purpose and his character. Even when we read about light in Scripture, it means even being in his midst. It's important to understand tonight that light and darkness, although opposing forces standing at the end of a spectrum, they're not equal to one another. They're not even close when you compare the two. John 1 and 5 says, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The New Living Translation says it this way, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. English Standard Verses says, the darkness has not overcome it and never will. The message says that the light blazed out of the darkness and the darkness couldn't put it out. I don't know about you, but the summary here is very clear. Light dominates and it wins every single time. Every time light wins. Every single time light wins. Have you ever noticed you can be in the midst of a pitch black room and even the tiniest little light, your eyes are drawn to it. It can be seen. Help me out tonight. How many of you walk through the house without turning on the lights? Am I alone? Is it just me? Right? All jokes aside, yes, I want to keep my energy bill down. But really... It's because my eyes adjust to the smallest of light, and it just helps me navigate. Trust me, I understand everybody isn't comfortable with just a little bit of light. Some of y'all need a lot of light. My kids are a perfect example. Some of y'all, you turn on every light in the house just to get to the kitchen. Five minutes ago, you left the kitchen, but you turn around, every light got to come on just to make it where you got to go or just walk down the hallway. Because the truth is you don't want any darkness in your path. That's why you're turning on the light. We have lights in our house for a reason, amen? I asked my wife this question yesterday. Just the tiniest amount of light breaks the darkness. But what happens if you're inverse of that? If you're in a well-lit room like we are right now, if you brought in a small amount of darkness, what would happen? Does anybody know? It would still be illuminated, right? Would there be any effect at all when the darkness comes into the room? The answer is no. Darkness does not have the same force that light does. This is important because many of us, 
We often use the analogy of light and darkness to represent good and evil, God and Satan. And sometimes we make the mistake that darkness can somehow be equal to or even stand up to the light. God and Satan are not equal, living hope. Not at all. Not at all. Satan is a creation that God made. And when he tried to be equal with God, he got the boot. Amen? God and Satan are not equal. The divide and the difference in power between the two is so vast, there's not even a way to measure it. You can't even measure the difference between Satan and God because the difference is so large. They're not equal and they never will be equal. God is both dominant and victorious. From the very beginning of creation, God created light and then he separated it from darkness. God placed boundaries. And listen to this. The darkness had to follow God's authority and submit to the boundaries that he laid in place. If we look at the book of Job, all the troubles and tragedies Satan made Job endure, we see that Satan first had to ask God for permission every time. He still had to work within the boundaries that God set. And, of course, we know Jesus He came along and declared victory over darkness, sin, and death when he died on the cross and rose again. But I really want to let this point sink in tonight. The darkness that's in this world, it must always give way to the light. Darkness will never overcome light. Never. Darkness will never comprehend the light. That's what it says. And it will never extinguish the light. It seems like this world is getting darker and darker. We see news. We see reports of this and that that's happening. Many wonder if God is still working and moving. And I don't know tonight. Maybe you're going through something and all you might see is darkness or fear or worry. I'm going to be real tonight. There is an adversary. There is an enemy to our souls. Satan wants to destroy us. The darkness is not imaginary. It is real. But even when we can't see it, God is working. We know he is, church. Come on, we have services like we did on Sunday where people are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. God is still working. The light is still shining. Hallelujah. I want to remind someone tonight that whatever darkness you're facing, the darkness must always adhere to the authority of the light. The reason why is because God is supreme. He's king of kings and lord of lords. There's no one beside him. He's alpha and omega, beginning and the end. God wins every single time. Just like light always overcomes darkness. Anyone who's ever opened up a Bible, you've likely read the story of creation. But I'd like to turn our attention there one more time as I get to our next point. As I was studying for this lesson, this stuck out to me, and maybe I just missed it every time I read it or just glazed over this fact until now. In Genesis 1 and 3, God begins speaking creation into existence, and he begins creating order on the first day. He initiates creation with light by declaring, let there be light, and there was light. But let me ask you, or let me ask you a question, or... Just ponder it in your mind. What hadn't he created at this point? 
He hadn't created the sun, the moon, the stars, everything we comprehend as where light comes from. None of that stuff was made yet. And when I understand that, I don't know how I missed it before, but when I understand that now, it makes me view light a little bit differently. Yes, we understand if you step outside and you try to look into the sun, I don't recommend you do that. But we know the sun produces light for this earth that we live on. But even before the sun ever produced its first ray of light, God was the source of all the light. This means that God made daylight happen. He didn't need the sun to do it. He didn't need the moon to shine so that we can see in darkness. God was light all by himself. Hallelujah. God is light. We read it, 1 John 1 and 5 says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Notice here in Scripture, the Bible doesn't say that God is a light. There's no option there. God might be a light. He could be a light. He is a light. No, the Bible says that God is light. Light is part of the essence of God. Just like in 1 John 4 and 8, we, we read that God is love. You can't separate the love of God and the light that is God from who God is. I read some commentaries on this particular verse of 1 John 1 and 5. And when John declares that God is light, he's saying that God Almighty is all that beauty is and perfection can be represented in what we comprehend as light. He's declaring that God is self-active, self-producing, uncompounded. He's a living spirit. All the purity in the world, all the wisdom in the world, holiness and all glory is in him. And that absoluteness, that fullness of the light that he is, is perfect. That's what the beginning of 1 and 5 says. God is light. The next part says there's no darkness in him at all. And that means there's no defect. We like to look at diamonds because they reflect light. But every single diamond has a little bit of defect in it. I tried to buy the most pure I could for my wife, but it still had a little teeny bit of defect in it. But in God, there's no defect at all. There's no imperfection at all. Nothing is mixed with God that is alien or contrary to who he is. Absolute excellency is found in God. There's no ability for God to be mutated or there's no capacity for him to decay. How many know as we get older, there's things about us that start to decay? But ever since God said, let there be light and there was light, it's never decayed from that moment until now. And this message is that God is completely and unreservedly, absolutely holy with no mixture of sin, no taint of iniquity, no hint of injustice. None of that is found in the God we serve. Hallelujah. I think it's all right if we give God some praise right there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. You're perfect in all your ways, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 And you might be wondering tonight, as we talk about light, how does this help us? How can we apply this principle, this point 
in our life. And I believe as we look at 1 John chapter 1, the next verse kind of helps us answer that question. The fact that God is light sets up a natural contrast with darkness. If light is a metaphor for righteousness and goodness, then we know darkness has to signify evil and sin. 1 John 1 and 6 says that if we claim to have fellowship with him, but yet we walk in darkness, we're lying, and we don't live out the truth. How many of you hate being lied to? We don't like it. We don't like it when someone calls us a liar or a hypocrite. But the truth is the Bible says many, many times as we have sinned, such were some of us, right? When the apostle John wrote these three letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the apostle John, he wasn't a strapping young man at this point in his life. At this point in time, the early church, the day of Pentecost had came and gone. And theologians say when he writes this letter, likely what's happened is 50 or 60 years might have gone by. And this church that he's writing the letters to is in Asia Minor. And he's addressing them and dealing with some things that are going on in that church. You see what had happened in this 50-year gap from when the church started. A generation had started to grow up in the church, just like many of us. Our parents are saved, and a generation rises up behind them. And like all generations, new trends begin to emerge. People start to develop a different way to talk. And the original meaning of what they were saying started to turn into something else entirely. Over time, we understand that common phrases can be stripped of their original meaning and begin to be applied to something else entirely. I'll help you out here in a second. The tendency, though, to change language is not anything new. Adults, how many of you have ever tried to listen to a com conversation of the younger generation? And I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? What does lit mean? I don't know what, I don't know what that means. Even me, I'm, I'm only 32. I don't know what it means. Help me, somebody. I don't, I don't know. It sounds like they're speaking another language. Even at the close of the first century, words and phrases in the church, as this generation rised up, they were being twisted and drained of their original meaning. When the Apostle John wrote these letters, again, a generation had grown up in Christian homes, and a distinct subculture was starting to develop. Here's what was happening. Some people now that were part of the church, they became dignified and they started to say, I know who God is. I serve God. I know who he is. Or they would use words like, I walk in the light. Who are you to tell me what to do? I walk in the light. I am born of God. I know and blah, 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 blah. That's what was taking place as this new generation arrived on the scene. How does that early church compare to us, Living Hope? Are we so dignified that, mm, you can't tell me, I walk with God. I walk in the light. I have my, mm, I have it all, I have it all together now. You don't tell me how I should be and not be. I walk with God today. That's, that's what was happening in the church. 
And as John is figuring it out, he responds in this letter with some fire. Repeatedly, he begins the phrase of, if we claim, and then proceeds to show what actions must result if we claim to live in the true light and to know God. For the sake of time tonight, I'm going to give the Trey Henderson summary. But here you have it. The church was going around now, 50 years removed from when it began, proclaiming how holy and righteous they were, declaring to know God, but they were also dabbling in sin on the side. They declared that they walked in the light, but were led by their own desires and lusts. They declared that they were born of God, but the fruit, the evidence didn't support what they were proclaiming. And so John writes this letter to them, and he begins to set them straight. I think he's much nicer in his letter, but if we start with verse 6 tonight, maybe you can kind of hear the undertone of what's being said here. Can you bring up 1 John 1 and verse 6? Here he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, if you say that you are really walking in the light, but you're walking in darkness, you're a liar is what he's saying. You're in the wrong. And you don't know the truth at all. But next verse, if you're really walking in the light like you say you are, as he is the light, then that means me and you can get along. But if we have some ad adversity between us, something's not right. And that's not of the light is what he's trying to say. And if we're not walking in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ isn't really cleansing our sins like it's meant to do. Verse 8, if you say that you're not a sinner, ooh, I walk with God this morning. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. If you say you have no sin, you're really not hurting someone else. You're really deceiving yourself. And you don't have the truth in you at all. The verse we like to proclaim in church, if we confess our sins, if you're really hitting the altar like you should be hitting the altar, then the Bible says, God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the truth is, he's declaring, what is your fruit? If your fruit is adversary, if, if it's not adversary, but adversity, if you can't get along with your brothers and sisters in church, if you are so dignified that you can't be corrected by the word, you can't be corrected by pastor, then that really means you're not walking in the light at all. Verse 10, if we say that we're not sinning, we make God a liar because nobody's perfect. How can you walk around? I'm born of God. I walk in the light. But you're just like me. You're a sinner saved by grace. You're calling God a liar now. And his word isn't in you. That's what John says. Does that make sense? As you read that scripture, you start to feel the undertone. So church, the question is, how do you walk in the light? I promise it's not a trick question. We really just read the answer. If you don't have the light, the Bible says you don't know God. It's really that simple. The answer is to walk in the light, you must know him. A whole generation had grown up in a church, and they knew of him, but the fruit, the evidence in how they talked and how they acted really showed that they really didn't know him at all. Those who know God, 
those who desire to please God, who desire to walk with God, they are of the light and they walk in the light. Brother Eric, they're made partakers of the divine nature. We learned that on Sunday. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, 2 Peter 1 and 4. When you walk in the light, you get to escape the darkness because there's a separation there. There's a separation there. We know that God is light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, John 8 and 12. It's interesting that every time we read this portion that talks about walking in the light, it's interesting that they choose the word walk. To walk means to make progress. Therefore, we can infer from this verse that you and I as Christians are meant to grow in holiness. We're meant to mature in our faith as we follow Jesus. God is light, and it's his plan that we as believers shine forth his light, becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Aren't you glad the Bible doesn't ask us to run in the light? What would that look like? Would you get tired? How many have ever gotten tired on your journey with the Lord? It happens. But that's why we steadfastly must walk, put one foot in front of the other, take one more step every day, just get closer and closer to God. When we walk with God, it means that we're being purpose-driven. We're purposefully walking with him. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4 says, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. God is the creator of physical light as well as the giver of spiritual light by which we're able to see the truth. One of the characteristics of light is that it illuminates. It reveals things that we need the light to reveal so that we can see them. Light exposes that which is hidden in darkness. It shows things as they really are. To walk in the light means to know God. It means that we understand the truth of his word and that we're living in his righteousness. Please stand with me tonight as I get ready to come to a close. And worship team, please get ready to come up. Or come up, you guys can come up already. For my last point tonight, I really feel I would be remiss if I didn't at least touch on something that appears when light and darkness get near one another. No, I'm not talking about when light and darkness touch. Believe it or not, that's kind of impossible. I think we already established at the beginning tonight that in creation, God created a divide, a separation between the two. And from when that day he said, let light and darkness be separated, his word still stands to this day. But what I want to talk about tonight is a shadow. Shadows only exist when light is obstructed. Without the distraction, without the impediment, without the blockage, without that obstruction in light's way, the shadow and consequently darkness, the darkness within that shadow would vanish in the presence of light. 
How many of you have ever been terrified of a shadow? <laughs> Maybe you've been the trickster on the other end, and you cast your shadow towards someone else in order to scare or frighten them. Children can be terrified of shadows, thinking someone's out to get them. But the funny thing is about shadows, the smallest of objects obstructing the light can cast the biggest shadow. If you're not careful, you can think that the size of the shadow is the actual size of the object. Don't be deceived tonight. The shadow only appears to be bigger than it actually is. Another fun fact about shadows, they change shape and are constantly moving. There's no such thing as a permanent shadow. This is something that I remember from college. I don't know the class, I learned it or I was studying, but it did stick with me a little bit. If you ever look at a shadow up close, there are usually two boundaries to that shadow. There's a darker area that's more centralized, kind of within the shadow. And then there's a lighter area on the outside edge of that shadow. When you get home and you see a shadow, look at, look at it real quick. The reason for the lighter area of that shadow outline is a concept called diffraction. I won't get into it tonight or deep into it because I really don't know what I'm talking about, but I remember the concept. But what that diffraction really is, is darkness giving way to light. Since light moves as a wave, what is really happening is that that lighter portion of the shadow is the darkness that's constantly wavering as light hits it. So you have a darker part of a shadow and then you have a lighter edge because the light is constantly hitting and it is constantly wavering. That's why the shadow never stands still. And I know the music team is getting ready to sing the song I asked them to sing. But what's really happening is light is constantly wavering. It's constantly trembling as the wave of light moves and hits that area. And it's moving so fast that to our eyes, all we can see is a little indentation of it being lighter than the other darkness that's next to it. Psalms 97 says, the Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlighten the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and the people see his glory. Just like with the natural shadow, the darkness of this world has to give way to the light that is Jesus Christ. And I don't know what any of you might be facing tonight. I don't know what you're going through. But I will say that the altar is open. Whether you're facing darkness, fear, stress, worry, or the enemy's trying to distract you by making him think he's bigger than he really is by that shadow, I urge every one of you to walk in the light. Get to know the Lord. As the worship team sings, let's worship him tonight. 
Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.